All right, well, good morning, Timberline Church. How's everybody doing? All right, awesome. Well, my name is Josh. I'm part of the teaching team here and just excited to be with you this morning. We're going to continue in the series that we've been going through um, called How We Change. And it's focusing on this idea of practicing the way of Jesus. And I love how Pastor Derry, Pastor Jeff have really been setting up this series for us. Because when we talk about or whenever we talk about practices or different things that we're doing in our faith and our Christian journey, I think it can be easy for us to maybe accidentally or even it just happens of where we just start going a little bit on the side of, hey, we have to get these things done or we're supposed to do these things or God really like, you know, there's a, there's a, a score, you know, keeping score on this or something like that of how we do these things and these practices. And so when we talk about how we change, I think the best way to look at it is just the way that Jesus modeled his life and what, how did he live and, and how did that impact us. And so today we are going to focus on the practice of prayer. And I'm really excited to get to talk about prayer today and really hope that in this next 30 minutes here this morning that we would all be encouraged in our prayer life and in our faith and just our trust and confidence in God. And so as we talk about prayer, I think it would be awesome if you're good with it, if we would just start this time out by praying and inviting the Lord to be with us. So let's pray. Lord God, we love you and uh, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we, we thank you. In your word it says that, that, your, that your church would be called a house of prayer. And so we pray, Lord, over Timberline that this would be a place of prayer, that the saints here, that we would believe in, in faith, God, that you do um, all that you say that you can do. And this is we sang, God, that you're the same God today as you were back then. So we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you guys are here at church, but today is a big day for football, right? So it is uh, Super Bowl Sunday. And so you get to come here, have church, and then I'm sure go eat a lot of wings and pizza, chips and dip. So I just figured I'd start out by doing a little poll. So who do we got in here for uh, Cincinnati Bengals going to win today? Let me see it. All right, I know we got some people here. Um, how about the Rams? We got some Rams fans. All right, we're thinking the Rams. And then I know I got to ask this, who in here doesn't care at all and you're just there for commercials and food? What's up? <laughs> Literally every time that group is the loudest and the most passionate. They want to make sure everybody knows that they don't care about football. All right, so that's good. We, we'll, just, we'll keep it short to talking football here. But uh, um, so, you know what's funny? When I, when I think of sports, I'm a big sports fan, and um, I maybe have been guilty of this before. But, uh, you know, sometimes when you're, you're watching a game and you're just, God, I just want my team to win, right? There's going to be Bengals fans today praying, God, we haven't been here in years and years. Just give us this one day, right? Like, that's going to be it. And um, I, I will say, unfortunately, like all my prayers for the Broncos, the last six years have not worked. So, so be careful if you're too into that and going that way. But um, when I think about prayer, it's, it really is easy for my, my prayer life. And I think for a lot of us to, when we think of prayer, it really just turns into this idea of, all right, what are the things that I need and these requests that I make? And maybe it's something that's totally doesn't matter. And I don't think God really cares a whole lot about who wins the game today. But we just say these prayers. Or maybe it's even just, God, I need, I need help with this. Or bless me in this. Or bail me out of this because I didn't prepare the way I should have, right? Like it's, it's easy for our prayer life to just focus on these requests or things that we think we need. And, and, and God wants us to come to him with our requests. So that's a big part of prayer. He wants us. He cares about what's on our minds. He cares about the big and the small. But I want to just talk today about when we look at the life of Jesus and how he modeled prayer, there's a lot more to it than just simply making requests. And so we're going to talk about some different things that we see in the life of Jesus. The first one here is that God hears us and he wants us to come to him. And I think if we, if we could stop right there, 
That would be worth coming to church for, right? It's like this is what's getting me excited to get to talk about this this morning is that we have a God in heaven who created the universe, who created the heavens and the earth, created you and me, and, and yet he wants us to come. Like there's an invitation from the Father that he wants us to come and he cares about our needs. And that's absolutely amazing. So I want us to start from, from this place of like, okay, what does God think about us? And there's a, there's a great quote by uh, C.S. Lewis. He says, what comes to mind when you think of God is the most important thing about you. And I think that that's a really great quote. Because it, it really, the, what you think about God, when, you, when in your mind you think of God, what comes to mind? And how do you view God? And, and that's going to impact some of the decisions you make, some of the way you live. If you believe that God is for you, that God loves you, that God delights in you, and that he looks on you with, like, with a smile and with, with, happy, you know, with warmth, it's, that's going to make an impact to the way you live your life. But if on the other side, it's maybe there's been past experiences or hurts or things where your view of God is maybe more harsh or you think I have to accomplish certain things or do things for God, that's going to make an impact. And when we think about prayer, I think it's also good to ask another question of not just what do I think about God, but what do I think that he thinks of me? Right? Like when God is thinking of me, Josh McGinley, like what, what does he think of? What comes to his mind? And for you, what, what does God think of? Again, is he looking at you with love or do you see him as looking at you as this kind of taskmaster God in heaven? Because that's going to impact the way at which we approach him. And in Luke chapter 11, Jesus' disciples, they, they just straight up ask him. And I love this. They walked with him, so they got to do this. They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And, and Jesus gives them different instructions, but he ends the section with this illustration of having a faith like a child. And when he said, when you come to me in prayer, I want you to have this innocence of faith and belief. And for you that are parents, grandparents in the room, like you, you can relate to this, right? And we've all been a child before. And so we can relate to this. If when your child comes to you, like I have three kids, and when one of my kids come to me and if they're hungry... Right, like they know that their dad loves them. They know that their mom loves them and wants to take care of them. And so if they're hungry, they come with a full expectation, if they ask for a sandwich, that I want to give that to them, right? It's like, and that's, I work for that. We keep our pantry full for that because we want to provide for them. So they come with this full assurance of faith that I care about them and I want to provide for them. And I love those moments too where, you know, they're, they're littler. And so, I, you know, you get down at their level and you look them in the eye and and just those moments where, you know, your kid is like, okay, they, they see that daddy is listening and paying attention and, and he hears me and he's not just watching the football game. Like he's listening to me and he cares about me. Like I love those moments. And, and I think that what we see Jesus talk about this, like that's the way that God views us when we come to him. And he says this, we're going to read it straight from Luke 11, verse 9. It says, so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And that's, that's good news. That's encouraging for us this morning. It says everyone who asks, everyone who seeks. It doesn't specify to say only the superstar, all-star Christian who's been in church for their entire life and never missed a Sunday listens. No, it says like, like God wants to listen to his people. And it says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That God wants to give good gifts. And for us to just think of what does it mean to come like a child? And so I told you I have three little kids, six, four, and one, two girls and a boy. And 
Um, one of the things that I love to do with my girls who are a little bit older is we do these things we call daddy-daughter Bible studies. And so there was a night when I was teaching Evie and Nora, and we were reading from their little children's Bible, and I was telling them about salvation. And really awesome thing, but kind of hard to explain to a four-year-old, right? And so I'm, I'm telling Nora, like, okay, when, if you make this decision to follow Jesus, and then, then Jesus wants to come and live inside of you, and he, he comes and lives inside of your heart. And, and he, he's there, and he loves you, and he's always with you. And so Nora's like, she, this light bulb turns on, and she gets really excited. And so I'm, you know, I'm a pastor, so I'm like, oh, sweet. Like, I'm preaching my four-year-old. She gets it, you know. But more of the story is that for a year, we had been um, just like a few, uh, at that time, about a year ago or like six months ago, we got to go on a family trip to Maui, Hawaii. We went with my, my wife's family. And it was a trip that we had talked about for a good year because it kept getting postponed for COVID. So we'd been telling my girls for months, all right, we're going to Hawaii. And tell, I've never been before and they never been. So we're like looking up pictures of the beaches and sea turtles. And so like this is a big thing. Like their imagination is really, really big for Hawaii at this point. They haven't seen it. And so we're, uh, we're, we're talking about this of how God is always with you and lives in your heart. And so Nora has that moment and she goes, we're preparing for this trip. So she says, okay, daddy. So that means that. Jesus will go with us on the plane to Hawaii. And, and when we go to the beach, he can come out of our hearts and go swimming with us. Right? <laughs> so I was like, all right, yeah, you know, like we're, we're getting there. Maybe a, maybe a little work on the theology for Nora. But um, she, but this, I love just this childlike innocence and faith of like, hey, my daddy like says this and I believe it. God is with me and he goes with me. And, and that's the way that God wants us to approach him is this, this belief that he hears us and he's with us. Amen? And then it continues on. The next thing about prayer is that prayer is not just about asking for things, but it's about the posture of your heart. And that it is about asking for things, but it's more than that. It's about the posture of your heart. And I think this is really important for us to really get. Because if you're anything like me, whenever you hear a talk on prayer, it's always like, you know, for the five minutes after the sermon, I'm like, all right, I'm going to pray more. Like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do it. And then... I don't always do it, right? But it's like, but this is because what happens is a lot of times I just, I just think I'm going to pray more. And so it's about, I'm going to sit down and just think of all the people I need to pray for and the things I need to pray for. And, and maybe I run out and I don't know what to do. But, but prayer is a lot more than just bringing requests. And, and Jesus models this, that, that prayer is a posture of belonging and a posture of dependency. And this idea of belonging is that, that Jesus repeatedly and routinely spent time alone with his father. And it's really, really mind-blowing that he actually did that. You know, in, this, in Luke chapter 5, this is right after Jesus had healed a man with leprosy. And people are going crazy telling the stories of, like, what's happening. And we're going to read these two verses. It said, despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And I... I just think of that, it, like, when I read scripture, I like to just kind of ask questions or put myself in it. And when I was reading this, it, part of it doesn't make a lot of sense because in, in our mind, right, our business savvy or, you know, just like opportunity to take advantage of a crowd. Like, normally, Jesus has just done these miracles. People are following him. People are talking about him. And you could, would have thought maybe right then would have been the perfect moment to schedule like a four-day revival campaign and like bring in a worship band, whatever. Like I don't know if they had that back then, but right, bring in a big harp and just go crazy for an hour. Like that would have been, like that would have made sense because he's getting this big crowd. But instead Jesus says, like he made it a priority, withdraw from the crowd to the wilderness. And we see this where he climbs mountains to pray. He stays up all night to pray. And the reason he's doing that 
is he just, he valued that time alone with his father. Like, I don't know about you, but when I think of like this, why did Jesus pray? He's the son of God. I just, I just highly doubt, even though he was a carpenter, I just don't think he was up on the mountain like, God, help me build this chair. And God, help me catch more fish. Like, I, I just don't think he was concerning himself with these like kind of day-to-day things. He was there just to be with his father and to be aligned with his mission. And so prayer is this, this, this posture of belonging, but it's also a posture of dependency. And really, if there's something for you that I'd love for you to get tonight or this morning is, it's just this idea of that, that prayer is a place where we find our need for God and we express our need for God. Because the reality is here in, in 21st century America, for some of us, we have, we have a lot of different things that we can find security in. Whether it's houses, people, finances, jobs, what we think of the future, what we've done in the past, our own skills and abilities. There's so many things. And if we're being honest, I think it's possible for us to live as people here and, and not actually live like we need God. But, but prayer is a place where that reminds us of our need for him. Where it brings us to our knees and says, God, I actually want you to be a part of this journey and of these meetings I have today and, and of raising my kids. And, and I need your help and I need your strength. That it's a place where we just, we, we find our need. In, in Matthew 5, 3, in one of the Beatitudes, Jesus says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Like God blesses those that realize their need for him. And so I wanted to have, like, like I said before, sometimes just talking about prayer, it's one of those things that's easy to preach but it's hard to live. Because we get busy and things happen. And so I wanted to have just a practical challenge for all of us in the room tonight, this morning, I keep saying tonight, sorry. Everybody in this room, that we would have this, this thought of like just declaring our need for God on a daily basis. So for the next seven days, and maybe this will go longer, but just a challenge to consider is instead of just starting my day and just running off to all the tasks that I have, and then as things come up, I just say, God, do this for me, God, help me with this. What if we started from a place, whether it's before you get out of bed, first thing you do, once you get your cup of coffee, and we just prayed, God, I need you. And we just started our place of prayer from that place. Of God, today I need you. I, I want your help where you're taking me. I want to see things how you do. I want to talk how you do today. I want to lead my family the way that you've called me to today. But, I, but the only way I can do that is by depending on you. And so just a thought of that, what would that look like if you started your day? Before you just jumped into the laundry list of all the needs and things that we certainly have. And we started from this place of saying, God, I need you. And actually living from a place of, of needing God and of expressing that before him. It's this humble prayer. In 2 Chronicles 7.14 it says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. So this is a powerful scripture. It's sort of an if-then statement here that, that God is saying, hey, if my people, if they'll come with humility, if they'll seek me, if they'll put their ways aside, their wickedness aside, and they'll, they'll run after me, then I will come. Like I want to respond, but Jesus wants us to come. He, this is a modeling the place of prayer from a place of humility and from a place of need for God. Because to pray is to change. To pray, when we get to be in, in the face of the Father and he wants to be with us and respond to us, he wants us to change. I found this quote this week from uh, William Carey. He's a missionary. He says, prayer, secret, fervent, believing prayer lies at the root of all personal godliness. And I really think that that's true. If we want to be more Christ-like, more godly, it doesn't just happen by us just setting goals and just hoping we do better. 
Like those can be good things to help make some, some corrections and changes in life. But if we want to be more Christ-like, it starts from getting on our knees or starts getting and opening up the Bible and, and understanding what he's like and letting him be the one to change us. And it comes from a place of being humble to change. Because if we're not open to change, we're likely not going to have a very strong prayer life that's open to asking God to change us. You see all through the Psalms, the, the prayers of David and, and these other great leaders, they're, they're constantly praying, like, search me, O God, and open my heart and change me and make me more like you because prayer can lead us to this place of more personal godliness. The third thing with prayer is that, that prayer reminds us who's in control. It helps us to remember who's in control. And I'm sure we could talk probably for hours of stories in this room of different times where God has come through in your life or in somebody you know and answered prayer, something that you've been praying for for a long time. And, and I just think that when we pray, whether it's something we're praying for for a long time or God answers quickly, right, because it doesn't always happen the way we think it should. But it helps us to remember that God's the one that's in control of the story. And I have just a story I want to share with you that just, just helps to illustrate of how God cares about, I think, every detail of our lives. It was a couple years back, right after we had our second child, my wife and I were living in this small uh, two-bedroom apartment and it was the second floor, and so we just didn't have a lot of room for a growing family. And so we were looking for a new place to move into. And at the time, we weren't ready financially to purchase our own home. So we were looking for a, a rental home. And it just, it was tough. You know, you guys probably know the market here. Things go fast, and especially like single-family homes for rent that are affordable. Like it was, things were going quick. And we found this spot just across the street over here in the Bucking Horse neighborhood that we loved, we thought would be perfect, and, and we found it right as it came on the market, put it in application like 6 a.m. the morning it happened. So we were feeling pretty good. We got a call from the management company later that day, and they said, you're second in line. And we were like, oh, my, are you kidding me? Like, this is the perfect thing. This is, even, we even found it right after being at church. It was like, this was God's thing, right? <laughs> you're second in line. We're like, okay, second, that's pretty good. And, and they said, no, 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 like, in this market, second means go look somewhere else. We're like, oh, thanks for that, encouraging, right? And uh, so, so my wife calls me at work and tells me that. And, and honestly, as, as a pastor, I wish I could say, oh, it was this moment of faith for me. And I was like, well, God's in control. And, but now it was more like, this is stressful. Like, we need a house soon. And uh, what are we going to do? Where are we moving our lease ends? Like, and, we're, and we're freaking out, really. And, and at the very end, we prayed. And again, it wasn't, I wish I could say it was like this, all right. But then we centered and we prayed good. But, but you guys could probably relate to this. It was more of the just like, God help. Like, what are we going to do? And I don't know what's next. I have no other options. And that's how it ended. You know, we were just looking for something else at that point, getting, getting on our computers and seeing what else would come up. And a couple hours later, we get a phone call from that same management company. And uh, we were like, okay, what is, what is this about? And she says, hey, actually, the people in front of you dropped out. Like, do you guys want the house? And we're like, oh. Oh, you guys are wrong. Like, here we go. Right? And uh, so we're going to we'll do it. And then she says, what was crazy was that was cool. But it was just such a God moment because after that she said, and this woman from the management company was not a believer. She said, I don't, I don't really know what you'll think about this. But, but the person who called me, they, they told me to tell you a message to, in, in giving up the home. And she kind of said it even laughing because she just didn't really believe it. But she said, when they called, they told her, they said, we're going to give up this house. Because God told us it's for somebody else. And she said that on the phone. And this person's not even a believer who's relaying this message to my wife. And she's kind of laughing. And we're literally just like dropped the phone, like crying like this. Yeah, we believe that. Like we, yeah, God, God was involved. And so even in the midst of this, what seemed like chaos and didn't know what was going to happen, like just this little detail of our lives, like God was right there. He was the one who's in control. And so I, prayer reminds us and helps us to remember who's in control. And there's a great story from Acts chapter 12 where we see this, the, the prayers of the people impacting a whole story. 
Acts 12, Herod is king and there's severe persecution in the church. And the apostle James had just been um, actually put to death. And so now he's, Herod's kind of on this vendetta to take out all the Christians. And it starts in verse 3. It says, when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people that was taking out James, he then arrests Peter. And then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But I love this last sentence. It says, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. So while he was in prison, and, and this is the whole narrative of the story is not going well, right? Like one of the apostles, James, had been killed. And now Peter, Peter's the one that Jesus said, he's the rock on whom I will build my church. And now he's thrown in prison. And you can only imagine the plans that Herod had for him the next day at his trial. But the church is earnestly praying. And the story continues in verse 6. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. And so here it is, God's intervening right in the middle of this story. Herod thinks, right, you see this, Herod is in control. Herod just is persecuting the people. He's the one putting all this, you know, putting him in the prison. He's the one assigning guards. He's in control of the story. But actually we know there's somebody, somebody else that God's way more in control. And he brings this angel in. And even Peter doesn't totally understand what's happening. Then verse 11 we see it says, Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said, the Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. Like he literally had said in the story that, that Peter was, thought it was a dream. He didn't realize the angels literally walking him out. And then he goes over to the people, the church, they're praying at a house, they're praying all night. And he knocks on the door. And, and it says that this, this girl answers the door and is blown away. She's so amazed it's Peter that she slams the door and runs back. Like, there's no way this is him. Like, but they're praying in this, this impossible situation. And what I just, I love this story because in it, like, I don't, I don't think for one second God was worried, scared, or intimidated when Herod arrested Peter. He wasn't afraid when he put chains on him. He wasn't more worried when he put two guards and then twice as worried when he put four, right? When he put him further in the cell, it didn't make him more afraid. Like God knew what his plan was and he was control of the story this whole time. And Peter is rescued. But it's the, the earnest, fervent prayers of the church that changed the story. Like these prayers made a difference that God heard these prayers and God responded. And so the last thing I want to focus on this morning is this idea that no prayer is too big for God. And I hope that this could be encouraging for you because I know in this room there's probably so many big prayers. Dreams that we're waiting on for God. Different healings that need to take place. Uh, broken relationships that need to be restored. Salvations that we've been praying for in our family or in our friends. Like whatever this might be. Like, but the, the reality is there is no prayer that's too big for God. In Mark 11, Jesus says to his disciples, verse 22, I have faith, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. And that's a big prayer. We live in Colorado. We know that's a big prayer, right? It will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. And I, this, this just, it's just this brings this level of faith when we pray. That God, Jesus encourages us, like we honor God by praying these brave prayers. 
that we're putting our faith in a limitless God. Because prayer and faith are connected, but it's not this way that it's, hey, if you can just grit your teeth enough and say things so many times that you start to believe it, that God will do it. It's not us like pulling, pulling his leg and making him do stuff. It's, it's putting, it's faith and prayer being connected in a God who's able, right? In a God who's able, in a God who's strong, that God actually can move the mountains. He created them, and so we can put our faith and our trust in him, and there's no degree of difficulty with God. And I think when, when, I, when I know in my prayer life is, I can become accustomed to this, this trap, I think, of, of looking at situations and my level of faith is determined by how easy or hard I think it might be. Let me just tell you a story that kind of talks about this. But my dad is a, is a man of God. Like, I love my dad. And he, uh, he's a pastor actually as well. And he went on a mission trip a few years ago and just talks about the story about prayer that really was this revelation that, that God spoke to him. And I want to share with you. And he was in Guatemala with a friend of his named Andrew. And they're going door to door into these little tiny houses in this really impoverished community in Guatemala. And they were talking, because Andrew spoke Spanish, they were having conversation with these families. And they came to this one house where there was a full family living inside this little tiny house. And they said right there, they said that their, uh, their grandmother, the abuela, was, um, was sick. And she had two ailments that they talked about. They said, would you, would you pray for her? And first they said, well, she's had this stomach ailment that's bothered her for, for a week or so. It's a little bit of time, this stomach issue, and we'd love to pray for her. And so they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll pray for her. But then they said, oh, she's also, she's been deaf for 40 years. And would you pray that God would restore her healing? And so, you know, my dad tells a story, like, he's a pastor, like, hey, he knows how to do it. Like, he prayed for her, and, you know, for whatever reason, in that moment, nothing specifically happened. But later that night, he's at the missions base, and kind of remembering the story, and God just gave this, this revelation of, you know, for some reason when, and just honestly, when, when that was said, hey, pray for the stomach ailment, it seemed a little easier, right? It was like, it's only been a little bit of time, it's just a stomach thing, like maybe God's going to do that. But to heal somebody who's been deaf for 40 years, like that just, that seems hard, right? And I think as, as humans, when we're just being honest, I know I've been there and maybe you can relate to that too of there's times when I, when I come before God and it's like, yeah, I have all the faith and, and belief. Like this seems kind of easy, like this can happen. And then there's a big thing or something I've been praying for for a long time and it's, it's hard to actually have that faith and belief because I'm just thinking from my own limited perspective of easy and hard. But church, what I want to tell you today is there's no degree of difficulty with God. Like that God doesn't see that and, and think one's easier or harder. Uh, when, he, when he touched the leper and leprosy was gone with a touch. Like he spoke a word and, and blind men saw. He spoke a word and Lazarus was raised from the dead. Like when, he, when Jesus sees that, that stomach ailment or, or somebody who's been deaf, like he doesn't see that as easy and hard. There's no degree of difficulty for the creator of the universe. And so that gives us the confidence and faith that, that we can pray big prayers. That we can dream big and put our confidence in God because he hears us and he's with us. In James chapter 5... Verse 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Like that's, that's awesome. That's the word of God speaking to you today. That, the, that this, it produces results. And then I just, I love the next part of this because it's, there's times in scripture where it feels like we can just relate to humanity of people that just followed God just like we did. It says Elijah was as human as we are. All right, so just make sure, like, this James here, and he's writing, saying, Elijah, there was nothing really special about this guy. Like, he was just puny little human guy, just like me and you. And he says, yet, yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. 
Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. And so this was, this was just an awesome moment because we can have that of maybe thinking, all right, that prayer is just for the Superman Christian, for the pastor, for the person that, that really has done this. Like, and we can sometimes, I think, we limit our own faith and ability to come before God in prayer just because we think we don't have it all. But the scripture is really making clear to us here, Elijah, he was a man just like us. Like he had the limitations of being a human just like us. But he partnered with God in prayer and saw something happen that was way beyond his ability. And so I want that to be encouragement for us. And, and my hope for, for Timberline, for this church and the church in Fort Collins is that, that we would be people that pray big prayers because big prayers honor God. That God responds to our bravest prayer. That we'd be a church that's not afraid to pray for miracles. To be a church that's not afraid to pray for salvations. Not afraid to pray for revival in our city. Because God wants to partner with us in those things. And I think that when he looks at that, he looks at that and smiles because it's his people that are trusting. When you pray big prayers, it's going to elevate and expand your view of God. It's going to help you to see God for, for bigger than maybe this small. It's, we too often keep God in a small, limited view or a small box when he wants to go. He's so much bigger. He's beyond what we can ask for or even imagine. And so one thing that we're going to do as we wrap up this morning is each time in this series, we've been, you can see these sticky notes on the side walls here um, in the auditorium here. And we finish each message with a question that you can respond to after the service if you'd like to. And so what I want to do is just as we respond to just this thought of these praying these big prayers and just ask this question, what is your God-sized prayer this morning? What is your God-sized prayer? And as we sing this final song, just to pray that before God. Maybe, maybe and then if you want to write it on the board and just take that, that moment where we can believe and, and see God do some miracles on what we're going to write on these boards this morning. But just this God-sized prayer, what is it? Maybe we'll say prayers of, to see restoration in broken relationships. Maybe it's a prayer of uh, freedom from addiction, finding purity. Maybe it's a prayer for a specific person to come to know Jesus, a prayer for healing. Maybe it's a prayer for a house or for a job, something that, that's a need that, that God wants to respond. But I just want you to think, what, what's that prayer you've been asking for and, you, and you've, maybe you've started to give up hope? What's that dream that God's put in your life? What's that, what's that God-sized prayer? And that we could bring it before a God who is limitless and a God who hears us. And a God who wants us to come with persistence. Would you guys stand with me? I'm just going to pray over these. And if we sing this final song, if God brings that to your mind, just, just let's pray. Let's just let this, this last song be just a moment of, of prayer in this room. A belief for God to do the impossible to do. It's a, when Paul prays, he says, I pray that, that God would do more than I ask for or imagine according to his power at work within us. And then if you'd like to after the service, you can actually write that and stick it on the board. So God, we thank you that you're with us, that you hear us, you respond to us, you want us to come to you. Thank you, Jesus, that um, you remind us who's in control. And God, over all of these different struggles or issues or dreams that, are, that we're thinking of and presenting to you before, God, we just want to remember right now that you're in control, that you hold it all, that you created all things and in all things come from you and are for you. And so we just ask God for, for miracles to happen. We pray for healing for wholeness, for restoration, for reconciliation. God, we pray for provision, for open doors. We thank you that you are the same God, the same God from way back when, these stories in the Bible to the same God now. So we, we give this to you, God. We pray for you to work in Jesus' name.